So I went to the circus today. Nice. Yeah. It was impromptu visit to the circus, which my wife booked because she had a, a deal, came through by email. We're not avid circus goers, but it was actually nice to do something in a time when restrictions have been in place quite considerably. A little bit of normality. Well, you say that because what I observed at the circus was a lot of people observing things that they would not consider normal in terms of amazing feats of human strength, balance, agility, all of those things. And And was that just getting to your seat or was that the performance? (laughs) Do you know what the funny thing is? It was really spacious and it was actually really nice. I've been to other things in the past where obviously it may be COVID, um, COVID times, but where you're packed in, you know, really packed in and it's really tight. But no, this was, it was really nice and spacious and airy. There was no acrobatics needed to get to the seat. That's good to hear. <laughs> but yeah, it, whilst I was there, I was just thinking about how people perceive people who are active, people who are skilled, people who have physical talents. And not just physical talents, the you know, the mental ability to stick at something for 10, 15, 20 years to get to the point where you can walk 30 meters up along essentially a piece of wire and do a backflip on it. No, thank you. Well but yeah. It's amazing <laughs> stuff, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was. It was it was really good. It shows it just shows the capacity and the ability of of human movement and, and that locomotion and development from from a small baby when you learn to crawl, to walk, you see your friends trying to do cartwheels, so you give it a go and put on your face, to the upper echelons of the gymnastic that's on the Olympics or, as you said, the trapeze and the, that high wire walking and balancing. It's all potential there. It's just a case of developing it, isn't it? Yeah, I think... My wife said to me, she was like, you know, she was giving up. Oh. Then when they were doing things, oh, they're going to fall. They're, going to... they're not going to fall. They never fall. They've done 10 years of falling off a very low tightrope. To allow them to not <laughs> fall off a big tightrope yeah. that's high up. Yeah, exactly, sure. yeah. And that's the, the amount of time they've put into that. It's the vast majority of their life to be able to do that without ever thinking, I'm going to fall off. Because they don't think that because they wouldn't do it if they thought they were going to fall off. But then they make people watching think they're going to fall off. Yeah. And that's why they go, ah! Yeah, indeed. And they are very much uh, the tip of the spear, aren't they? That, that sharp end of the, of, the, of the ability, as opposed to you or I who <laughs> might be able to tiptoe across a log over a little stream uh, and not fall in and think that's pretty good, as opposed to a thin wire like feet across top of a, a big top but they're all the same just at different levels aren't they it's the same skill set just less refined yeah i've tried slacklining for oh, about yeah. a second one second <laughs> maybe two seconds <laughs> and then you've learned the uh, the abilities of gravity to bring you back down to earth yeah thankfully it wasn't too high but yeah no i, I can skip across the uh, the rolling log on the kids adventure playground which is probably as far as i'll get but the kids think that's amazing i can do that i'm gonna try it now it's nice to be able to do it it's nice to be able to do the monkey bars and get across the obstacle and 
it's nice to be able to just not get out of breath doing it. Absolutely. So are you that parent that goes on the monkey bars and says, come on, kids, let's do this whilst everybody else is watching? That's a yes, isn't it? That pause. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm definitely the same. The, the pause wasn't to hide the lie. The pause was to say, I would do it whether anybody was watching or not. But if people are there, it would definitely make it likely to happen. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, for sure. And, and certainly when, when Toby was younger, it's like, come on, we'll do, the, we'll do the monkey bars. And now he goes, Daddy, you just watch. I'll go and do it. And off he goes. And he thinks nothing of it. And then you see some other kids and they're like, oh, I can't do that. I'll just give it a go. Yeah. But do you not say, just, no, no, I'm not standing. I'm not watching. I'm not just watching. I'm going to do it. I'll wait till he goes off to do something else <laughs> and then I'll sneakily do it. Yeah, just for you. But that, yeah, yeah, just for me. But I, I guess that kind of brings us round to our point, isn't it? Yeah. That actually movement and activity should be normal. It shouldn't be, oh, it's the weird one, giving that a go. It should be something that we can do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to illustrate that, just, just from today, I could give you any example of, of days, um, but just from today, usually my kind of exercise, training, working out, I, I, I've never sort of settled on a comfortable term for it. I'm not training for anything. I am no. exercising, but not in the Boris Johnson one hour of exercise sort of way. <laughs> a light stroll around the park but that's because you've moved on from the light stroll in the park whereas your person that hasn't exercised for a while the light stroll in the park is just perfect it's like building blocks isn't it and development over time yeah and I I think it is it is quite difficult to have that perspective without actually really trying to have that perspective because coming from a background of always pretty much being active you know, never being ill, particularly broken arm, falling off a big slide when I was young, but generally just being fit and healthy, not having underlying health conditions, et cetera, et cetera. I think mainly due to being active, started off, you know, quite young um, swimming, swimming competitively at sort of regional and national level um, until my late teens. And then kind of, it just becomes a thing that you do. You know, you, you go to the gym, you run, you play tennis, you, you do these things just because that's the way you are. So it is, for me, quite difficult to have the perspective of that idea of people going for an hour's walk is a massive deal. Mm. And I, I, I completely understand and admit that. And but it's interesting because if you go back a year and we're in, in a lockdown... I have never seen so many people walking and getting out and about uh, and walking around the area because actually it was a precious time because everything else had been almost taken away from you. And perhaps it helps to show people that maybe walking and exercise is a really good thing. Well, absolutely. It, it absolutely is. Just to sort of go back to sort of what I said was, which thinking back made me seem as if I'm like, oh, look at me, I'm the you know, kind of fittest, healthiest person in the world. I'm not, by any stretch, <laughs> imaginable. Just look at the people from the circus. You know, wouldn't even dream of doing anything like that. But it is about 
understanding where you're at and what you're capable of. And I think yes. that's really important to talking about encouraging people to be active. You're not saying, right, do 100 burpees right now. That'll get you fit because it will do the opposite. Yes, and I think that comes to you might not be able to do what the gymnasts were doing in the circus, but then they might not be able to swim as well as you can. And it's finding the thing that you enjoy that encourages you to be active. Because if you can find that, then it doesn't become a burden, does it? It's not a chore to go and do this exercise. No, and I think that is the perception that you have to drag yourself to the gym. You have to drag yourself to, you know, oh, I need to go to the gym. I need to do some exercise. Oh, I can't really be bothered. And I think one of the, and again, that's, that's not just physical, that's psychological as well, around the normalization and making it part of, part of what you do, but not in the way that it defines you. Yeah, absolutely. It's just part of what you do each, each day or each week, as opposed to I am only this thing. Yeah, and I think the social media echo chamber plays a big part in that defining who you are through the things you're interested in. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's also that barrier that people think exercise is going to the gym. It's not. The gym is is one small piece of a, of a very large jigsaw. There are so many things that you can do, uh, and probably more now than ever. It's not just the football, the rugby, the hockey, the netball that you did during the winter months at school or athletics. There are such a, such a diverse array of things that you can go out and do now, from paddleboarding to rock climbing. Uh, hang gliding you know there's so much that you can do that encourages you to get out and be physical yeah and you can actually do all of them rather than just one of them yes i think a lot of people think they need to pick they need to choose this is the thing i do i know you've sort of played rugby and stuff in the past but you know most recently it's around the sort of functional fitness crossfitty type of thing i think might be a good time to sort of just go into sort of I say my story, but not my not the story of my life, but just in terms of sort of what has led to this coming about in terms of in terms of this podcast. So I've always been sort of, as I said, active, gyms, you know, kind of not necessarily hugely consistently or with any real sort of purpose, just just there just to sort of do some stuff, not to not to get fat, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But I found CrossFit based on the fact that I worked somewhere which was across the road from a quite frankly huge CrossFit gym, CrossFit Tyneside. And I went there and at lunchtime from work and trained. I was there probably about three years. So say 2016 to 20, so 19, 20, the beginning of 2020. And in that time, I never did a CrossFit class. <laughs> um, never had the, yeah, never had the desire to do it. Just used the facility and the space and the equipment and trained alone without initially without any sort of structure, but then you know kind of followed some programming and sort of built from there. And then the gyms closed March 2020, and there was no more of that. 
And my first thought was, okay, what can I do? Sure. The first thing I did, I had a bag of cement, 20 kilo bag of cement, which I thought, okay, I can just use this to lift and, you know, kind of mimic, you know, clean and jerk some snatches and things. It broke, <laughs> fell on the floor, <laughs> burst oh, everywhere. Did a similar thing with a really big sort of tin of exterior paint. Same thing happened, dropped it. Um, there's still a mark out in the back lane where the paint went everywhere. Um, Don't drop your equipment, kids. This is the uh, this is the more of the stories. It is absolutely. So I thought, okay, I'm going to need some kit. I'm going to need something, and nothing was available at all. There, there was just a, nice. a worldwide shortage of any sort of kit. You know, dumbbells were sold out, kettlebells were sold out, everything was just sold out. But I found a sandbag manufacturer, uh, T Fench. Yep. Yeah, yeah, good guys. Who make them to order, so no, you know, real um, supply issues. And I ordered a sixty kilo cap sandbag. I too have one of these sixty kilogram T Fench sandbags. Yeah, they are epic, absolutely Great piece of epic. Kit. So that was what I trained with. I then sort of thought, I like doing this. I like doing lots of burpees. Strange man, but I do. I then found a kettlebell randomly on the internet and got that. And then thought, what do I really miss? And this was probably, this was in July. And I missed a pull-up bar. I missed jumping on the bar, pull-ups, toaster bars, different variations of things. So I thought, oh, I'll have a look and get a, get a bar, maybe kind of, what about those like silly door bars that you get? And then you read, you're like, oh, yes. no, they're rubbish. <laughs> you know, you're going to die. You're going to hurt yourself. And I was like, well, what about a one that I can just, you know, the, you know, the good ones that you can attach to the back of the house. And I was like, there's no re- nowhere really for it. And then I seen one of the coaches from CrossFit Tyneside had posted, he'd had a freestanding rig built in his garden. And I was like, okay. So I got in touch with the guy who did that, who would potentially be an interesting person to speak to about his installations of home gyms last year, particularly. And he built me a rig um, in the garden with a wall ball target. So I then had a bar so I could change what I was doing and sort of mimic some of the things that were previously gym only, which was good. And then eventually got some dumbbells and some other little bits and bobs and that's what i've got and i've been training like that you know for nearly a year with those things in the back lane so you found a way yes you had the desire and you found a way yes which is fantastic so my background was yeah very much sport but enjoyed gym and exercise played rugby, finished playing rugby when my son was born, just so I didn't get injured again. Um, was going to a CrossFit gym, but working around the family, so I only went twice a week, but wanted to do more. So I ended up getting home kit. My dear wife has uh, has been my sponsor for this, and has kind of funded, funded <laughs> the gym kit. Uh, so the garage gym has been something I've been going in a long time, but I think about two and a half Three years ago, I left the, the CrossFit gym and I've just done everything out of the garage. So I, I'm fortunate in that I have a, a decent array of kit in there. 
a little rig, barbell, weights, kettlebells, sandbags. Uh, and last year, I was able to get a rower. So I'm, I have a little fully functioning gym in there. Uh, and that's what I use to, to stay active. And it, it is very much a case of I'm not training for a competition. It is just trying to stay active and stay fit and healthy moving forwards as I get older. I don't want to be that sits there with a massive belly going oh in my day i could do this this and this I just, <laughs> yeah it doesn't appeal to me i want to stay fit and healthy and kind of invest in my health moving forward i'm so jealous and, of the roar and i think you know that <laughs> already <laughs> it took me 10 years to get that so um, i don't feel guilty <laughs> and it, it's something that the rest of the family can use my son will go on it my wife will go on it so it was an investment for the three of us, not just a plaything for me. Uh, and I can assure you, it, it brings plenty of pain. <laughs> yes. When used. Definitely. And one other thing I'll just say to advocate a freestanding pull-up bar in your garden with really big, meaty telegraph poles for support. You can hang a swing on it and the kids love it. I, could, I bet I've got a pair of rings that goes on the little rig and my son's forever put the rings up or put the bar up high so I can I can jump up or I can go around it so he'll come out and he'll play and he sees that it's normal and that was the other thing I kind of wanted my son to see that it's normal to exercise it's, it's part of everyday life to keep you fit and healthy moving forwards and he he gets it okay he doesn't always want to come out and do it but he'll come out and he'll play. Some days I'll finish a gym session in the morning and he'll go, right, what can I do? Let's go for a run. Let's do some burpees. Or he'll come out and say, come on, I'll count you and I'll, I'll do the exercise for you. I'm very supportive. Yeah. It, it, it's great when they say, Daddy, tomorrow, can I do exercise with you? Yes. You, <laughs> unfortunately, tomorrow's a rest day, so... <laughs> I'll come out and watch you. But it, it's yeah. normalizing it for them, isn't it? Yeah. So it's not this big thing that, oh, this is a bit different. This is a bit weird. This is this is just normal. Yeah, completely. And I think doing it at home makes that possible. Because if you were, you know, driving to the gym to go and do some exercise, the, the idea of driving to the gym, we could possibly talk about a different time. But Hiding your exercise away, away from you know the people who you spend most of your time with, your, your wife, your kids, you, you, you're doing whatever you do. It's just something, oh, daddy's going to the gym. But they don't see yes. what you do. They don't understand what it's about. And I think for me, there's been a real sort of change in their perception, the family. <laughs> my kids, slightly different perception to my wife. My kids are like, oh, that's great. My wife's like, don't hurt yourself. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I go out super early in the morning. It's like, I can't drop the barbell because if it gets dropped, and it's like, what have you done? Have you broken yourself? No, no, I'm okay. Yeah. It's just the, like checking the insurance to make sure everything is covered. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a sandbag over the shoulder. She's like, you'll put your back out. You'll put your back out. I get told off, you can't drop it because it makes a noise. So it's sandbag to the shoulder and very slowly lower it down and back up. Oh no, I'm I'm very much uh, Olympic weightlifting. Slam, slam it down. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that at half past five in the morning. 
that's that's a good point yeah but funnily enough just just on that point in terms of the very real thing that my wife says which is oh watch your back when you're doing that i have always when i was doing crossfit had issues with my lower back not with my back itself but with posterior chain um just getting tight you know really sort of tightening up particularly when i was doing olympic lifts particularly snatches i have since stopping doing those movements because i haven't got a barbell i have had zero issues with my back it's interesting isn't it and that's what it begs the question why are you doing olympic lifts is it because it's something that interests you or is it because that is something that is being put upon you because you're in that setting? So Stuart McGill, do you know Stuart McGill? The back, yeah. back doctor, back fit pro? Back, back pro, yeah. yeah. So his view on it is Olympic lifts are designed to be done once. Yes, not in repetitions. <laughs> not 30 reps for time. No. Yeah, so I, I see where he's coming from with that. I think it's fine if that's you're going down a competitive route and that's what you want to do. And uh, I really enjoy cleans. I don't mind snatches and I'm very good at them. Um, and I can see the benefit of the explosive power that you get from it. But actually, if all you want to do is be able to carry all the kit from the boot of your car to the beach, which is 500 meters, being able to snatch isn't going to make a big difference to that, say, compared to carrying a sandbag or a pair of dumbbells for 100 metres at a time. Yeah, you don't need to get the girls anymore, so, you know, you, you, you settle down. So you don't need to show off with your, with your 100-kilo snatch. <laughs> no, definitely not. And I think that's what the general population perhaps need to understand is the wrong word. But there's such a focus on the perfect body for men and for women and it has been for women for a long time and more so men now with six packs everywhere yeah six packs are great but it generally means you have a really low body fat doesn't necessarily mean you're fit and healthy whereas if you just just make it normal that going out for a short jog and not being out of breath if you run across the road or up a flight of stairs you know, that's normal. You shouldn't be out of breath. You should have that ability to do that. And it doesn't have to be, if you said someone, oh, we need to do some exercise, it doesn't have to be right need to sign up for a gym membership. It, it's going for that brisk walk or um, a little light jog or a swim. It doesn't have to be really fancy or really expensive. It can be really simple. There's plenty of stuff on youtube you know um, joe wicks was doing all his living room exercise classes it all helps it get out of breath move around move your body that's good stuff and then you can add layers of complexity or intensity on top of that but or not if you don't want to yeah. if, if you know Absolutely. you don't have to and i think i don't want to get give the wrong impression about you know the way i'm talking and you can you know, kind of answer for you for yourself as well. But you know, and to, I'm not like I said, I'm not the fittest person in the world. I don't have a six pack. However, I know I'm fit and healthy. Like yes, I'm not measuring that against any aesthetic. I'm not measuring that against any performance metrics. I'm measuring it against the fact that I know I can do most 
Yeah, of all normal things. You know, I can. So you can run up the stairs without getting out of breath. Yeah, I can go up three stairs at a time. <laughs> that's fantastic. I mean, and I, I think that that's a good measure for for your person in the street. Is you can you get up the stairs without being out of breath? Can you carry your shopping? You know, why do you have to park your car as close as possible to the store? You know, if you want to park at the far end so you can walk in, it's not a burden. You know, if your child wants to run around the park, can you join in with them? Yeah, I think, absolutely. I think, I think those are really important um, little measurements of, of being physically able. It's not about being able to live in Atlas Stone and being a world's strongest man. It's the simple things that are perhaps really important, but too often are passed over for the more flashy um, stuff that sells copy, that sells a magazine or gets clicks on, on Facebook or Instagram. That was exactly what I was going to say in terms of if, if somebody looks at fitness, there was a lot of... Like last year, it was the massive increase in number of people doing online fitness blogs, you know, let's say on Instagram, Facebook, which, you know, you mentioned Joe Wicks is the, the, the most sort of well-known, but there's so many others who've gained massive followings in very short spaces of time. Mm. None of them are what you would consider, I don't like using the word normal, and I don't mean this in a kind of normal sense, but, you know, they're all fit. There are... Yeah, and there is perhaps a smaller percentage of the population. Let's go with that as opposed to abnormal. They make up a smaller percentage of the population as opposed to the main body of the population. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, I can imagine, I don't know, it can be off-putting. To th- that's, so I have to do a... I mean, even let's, let's talk about Davina McCall. You know, she, she was doing it offline via dvds and and things a long time ago and she's you know kind of done very well at doing that and i'm i'm pretty sh- you know pretty sure she has encouraged a lot of people to actually exercise mm. but she's still fit you know she's still presenting an image of somebody who is lean and toned and has that particular look yes yes um i guess that yes she's fit as opposed to thin yes as well i guess that's another way of of looking at it okay she's not an olympic athlete but she's healthy in terms of her cardiovascular system because she's able to do those movements those exercises yeah absolutely but it's it's a strange one though isn't it because i mean i don't do what i do for anybody else other than myself and my family yeah, that that's it. You know, kind of, and that will never change. I very rarely. I'm not that active online. I have accounts, but I'm not particularly active because I just I'm not that fussed. Sure. About sharing what I do, and but the world is. <laughs> if it's not on Instagram, did it happen? Yeah, exactly. Did it happen? Yeah. So it was recorded on the Garmin, so it's fine. Yeah. So. What I find is it's not the sort of, I'm not, so when I exercise, let's say, I think I mentioned this just, just early and I sort of went off on a different track, but I was in the back lane today doing sandbag squats, dumbbell burpees, shuttle runs, evil combination of that, 
until I got the two times body weight shuttle runs. There was people where I live, it's, it's, it's quite, it's, it's off the main street, but the sort of main sort of shopping streets sort of quite nearby. I live quite sort of centrally in the city. So you get people walking past, you get people in the sort of shops come out and sort of sit and have their lunch and things like that. And people sort of coming out of the houses and things like that. And I was, you know, I was sweaty, <laughs> shall yeah. we say. Um, I was breathing hard. And after I'd finished, there was a, a girl who worked in a sort of cafe who was having a lunch out the back. She shouted over, she went, are you all right? Because I was lying down in a pool of, pool of sweat. I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I've just been working out. She was like, that looked terrible. That, that, like, I don't even know what those exercises were. And I was like, no, it's fine. I do crazy stuff. Yes. And it's, but that's your thing, isn't it? Maybe she has a different thing. Maybe her thing is yeah. roller skates and while skipping. Which is fine. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Hope, hopefully she has got something she's doing. And I think it's it, when you take what you do outside of the gym and, you know, there'll be people who, you know, if, if they observed a typical, you know, kind of session, let's say observed something happening during a CrossFit Open within a CrossFit box, you're just, what? What are you doing? Why are you doing that to yourself? Why are your hands bleeding because you've done so many chest bar pull-ups? Why are you literally dead on the floor? Why are you being sick into a bin? And I'm not... My, I'm not saying that's normal, but it's, it's a byproduct of the effort that that person has deemed appropriate for themselves to put in. Yes. Yeah. And that, in, in that instance, in that example, that competition helps drive that, doesn't it? That, that desire to push yourself that little bit harder to do a bit better. Definitely. Yeah. One thing I would like to sort of touch on, I think we'll sort of head towards the sort of end of this conversation, because I think it's sort of given maybe, well, I hope it's given people an idea of what we're about, what we sort of are trying to do. We're trying to normalize being active and we're trying to draw as much from as many different, different scenes, different environments, different people, different ethos, different sort of takes on what it is to be active um, as possible and, and, I'd like to think that you know, we can achieve that and that would be great if we can and have some interesting conversations along the way. Attention span, instant gratification and not being willing to stick with something I think is a huge issue for people. Being fit and healthy from a position of not being fit and healthy takes a long time. It does and I think for most that ability to start is the most daunting. That fear of looking stupid, of people judging you because you're not the one that's been doing it for 10 years and you don't have the six-pack. You're perhaps not wearing all the right kit. And I think that's a big barrier for, for most people. There's a saying, um, a Japanese saying, called Kaizen, and it's that slow, progressive improvement yeah. Uh, and I think one of the examples I first read was if you want to run a marathon, the first thing you need to do is just perhaps sit on the sofa and put your running shoes on so you know what they feel like. And then the next step is to go for a walk around the house in it and just slowly build up. So I think the 
biggest barrier for people is the starting and then it's the sticking with because and I've been guilty of it I've been to the gym a couple of weeks or do I look like Arnie in the in the mirror now <laughs> no I do not 10 years down the line do I look like him no <laughs> I do not but I stick with it because it's not just about looking at it it's about feeling fitter yeah and it, 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 it's those kind of intangible things the things that you know it's not about the photograph or the weight on the scales and i think i'm going back to you know kind of i know it's marketing speak but i think there was a really and i've always remembered it a sort of nike advert for nike running shoes i'm going to say 90s sometime which said a set of scales doesn't tell you whether you've been for a run today this was that not in the film what women want with Mel Gibson when he was, was doing maybe it was. Uh, he, he was he was a marketing guy and was that it? was the advert the pitch yeah that where it so. was okay was something like that fair enough but it's true though isn't it I could it's, be wrong it is true it's yeah. you know it it doesn't really matter too much but if you go for a run and then go for a run tomorrow or do something the day after something else the day after that that's good Yes, it's that momentum. It just slowly builds. But you have to start. Yeah. As with anything, you've got to start. Do you think the fitness world puts people off starting? I think the fitness world markets this perfect person. You know, the perfect bum, the perfect six-pack, the perfect shoulders. And for most people... That's really intimidating because, well, I can never get to that. And it's, they, they sell it on that because it's deemed to be sexy as opposed to the 40-year-old chap who has got a little bit of a paunch. He's got the, the archetypal dad bod <laughs> that is, we've both got our hands up here, um, that is, is, is going to gonna start exercising and comes out looking bright pink in a sweaty mess. They don't sell it on that, whereas actually that's how most of us look at the end of a session. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they do put people off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it, it works both ways, doesn't it? There's two sides to it. There's the, the desire to do something, but also the fact that there's a world there which you're trying to enter. Yes, uh, it's, it's having an asp- aspirational role model but that aspirational role model needs to be within touch as opposed to 10 meters away and you're never going to reach it. Yeah. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a much longer game than just taking somebody and getting them to do exercise for a few months until they think, ah, I'm doing well. Maybe it's a generational thing. Our children helping them come through so that future generations have a mindset of activity and understand what it is to be active and fit and healthy and it's just part of the life yeah i think so and i think i think that's very true if you can encourage the next generation to say that actually this is what is normal then that's what they'll carry forward but if you if you go into your news agents and look at the covers of the fitness magazines or women's health magazines it is that uh, flat stomach in six weeks do this diet to get these abs it, it is as you said earlier that that instant gratification 
Whereas it takes time. It's taken a time to get into the position that you're in with your with your dad body and your paunch of a belly. It's going to take just as much, if not longer time, to get rid of it. And I don't think that people always accept that. Yeah, no, completely. Yeah, I work. I worked hard at my paunch. <laughs> There's a lot of investment in that. Yeah, you have to. Time, time, <laughs> yeah. money. Well, maybe on that point that you just raised there in terms of that perception and again i know there's been a lot recently you know in recent years around was a cosmopolitan had sort of plus size models you know on the front cover and things like that this might be something interesting to discuss with perhaps the fitness editor of men's health indeed he's agreed to come and have a chat with us mr andrew tracy which will be great so yeah that's that's quite a good good topic in terms of that how people perceive the fitness world and how potentially they're put off from engaging with it and or or how they think that is the only way to get fit by going to the gym and buying men's health and doing dumbbell curls and crunches and that side of things yeah i I think you're probably right there but it's also important to say that curls are not a crime they are not there is i have i have the (laughs) t-shirt there is no harm in doing them but it, it's finding the right thing for the individual. It, it's not one size fits all. Yeah. I, I think Andrew is, is very open with that as well in his conversations with other people or on his social media profile. He's always quite open with that. Yeah. No, completely is. Grand. Well, I think that's a good time to draw to a close. We've transitioned into hopefully the next episode there. With a little sort of teaser. A teaser, indeed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's let's end it and we'll uh, pick it back up for the next one. Excellent. Have a good evening. Bye-bye.